just before they come, I just want to want to say, you know, this is a couple that has grown up in the church. We've 10 years now, right? And we actually married them. We've seen the children come along. Um, we were able to have, you know, pastors Terry and Tony pass the baton. Pastors Terry and Tony are now campus pastors, and, and now we have them as youth pastors. It's so wonderful when you have the privilege of imparting into someone's lives. And I'll never forget a statement. It's a statement that's just, it's never gone away that Michael said to me when we were passing the baton of youth pastor. And that's a year and a half ago? A year and a half ago. And he said, well, Pastor Sean, you need to know something about um, Jordan and I. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, we're homies. And I'm like, what does homie mean? He goes, we're not going anywhere. This is home. So we've, we've, we've grown up in here, and God has grown us, and now we're ready to minister. And so will you please give it up for our homie youth pastors, Michael and Jordan. Woo! Pretty sure, yeah, we'll, we'll sit. And do you want that side or do you want... What side do you want? It doesn't matter. Okay. So I said I didn't want chairs because I'd probably spin. But it's okay. Pretty pretty sure I said I was a G, a gangster. No. <laughs> so everyone knows that I'm weird, right? Yeah. I'm a, well, I'm a mushroom. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> but not many people know intimately Jordan and the madness that is her. Hey. <laughs> she, okay. Sorry. <laughs> we'll keep these here just in case it gets real. Um, so. Hold on, hold on. So we're pre preparing for our message and he's like, I gotta have dad jokes and all this fun stuff. Don't worry, there's dad and jokes. I was like, they don't know me like that. Right. So like the youth do. Like Caleb gives me a hard time every week because <laughs> I'm weird. But y'all don't know me like that. Right. So we're getting ready one day. And I just want to preface this off with who's a sock person? Who has specific socks for specific things? They have their favorite pair of socks. And you're calling me weird? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> And, and they have their ritual in the morning on how they put their socks on. Now, some people say, that's, but then you get the lines on your legs, right? So I, every morning, I sit down, I get my socks. Some people even have a left sock and a right sock. It's a thing. If you look at them, they curve. And then you can know what foot the sock goes on so every morning I sit down and I get my boots and I put them on the side and I lift a pant leg up I put the sock on I put the boot on I put the pant leg down I go to the other leg I pull the pant leg up I put the sock on I put the boot on I put the pant leg down now some people call me a psycho because I do sock shoe sock shoe and apparently the right way is sock, sock, shoe, shoe. But that's madness. Because then I have to pull my pant leg up, put my sock on, and then go over, pull my pant leg up. This one might fall down. 
put my sock on, and then go back over, put my boot on, and then it's just efficient to go sock, boot, sock, boot. Right? Good. That would have been even more efficient. But then, but then, I'm out in the living room in my skivvies, putting my socks on, and then going back, getting dressed. That's not efficient. So I have a sock ritual. Now, you might think I'm weird, but I'm not. This woman of God, the love of my life, my light, my joy, aside from Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, hand. She comes out. She's like... I'm ready to go. And I'm like, look at your socks. They don't match. Not only are they not the same design and, and same sock, they're two different colors. And I prayed. What? I was like, Lord, let her find the matching sock to one of those. He did. He said that, like, sarcastically in the bathroom, too. So she goes to the living room, or the, the, the bedroom. bedroom, and on right on top of the laundry pile. Was the, the other sock. Was the other sock. So God is good, even in the madness that is her sock situation. I like to have fun. Yeah, that's it. So... I will not disappoint. What did the first sock say to the other in the dryer? I'll see you next time around. <laughs> what did the hat say to the sock? I'll go on ahead and you go on a foot. <laughs> what do you call a bear with no socks? Barefoot. Barefoot. <laughs> All right, I'll stop. All right. Thank you, Lord, that you have a sense of humor, that you uh, love us even though we can, you know, be weird. Uh, thank you, Lord, for today's message. Thank you that it can be a seed to some and a harvest to others, Lord, that, that it not only speaks to people, but it resonates in their lives, Lord. And I thank you that, that it is your glory that we are after, that we give you glory, all the glory, that it is not for us, but for you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that, that rhema words pour from our lips as we go. Thank you for what you gave us that we can just inspire. Thank you. Amen. All right. I always forget to pray, so I'm so thankful for her that she's like, hey, pray. Don't forget. Like, okay. So the title of our message today is Out of Egypt. And anybody hear that, that new song called Egypt by Corey Asbury? It's like your life song, isn't it? Yeah, I love that song. Um, so Egypt has actually been on my heart lately. Not like the geographical place, although that would be good too. But like the spiritual place, like what Egypt is, the concept of Egypt. And so that's what we're going to be preaching about. Um, and I love that story so much of the children of Israel. We probably touch on it way too much <laughs> in youth. But um, <laughs> um, what I love the most is that they were rescued out of Egypt, right? The literal Egypt where they were suffering, they were slaves, 
and God led them into the wilderness, which they were supposed to pass through to get to the promised land. But instead, they created essentially a second Egypt in the wilderness. They kept them in bondage, and they didn't make it to the promised land. Their whole generation died there. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Yeah, so what Egypt was to the Israelites was it was oppression. It was slavery, bondage, hunger, fear, worthlessness. They were slaves in the country, and it wasn't fun. It wasn't like, you know, Disneyland or whatever. It was Egypt. It was pain and suffering. Um, yeah. Yeah, and we all have an Egypt, every single person in it. Probably looks different person to person, or you might come across somebody who's like, yeah, I'm dealing with that too. Um, but we all have one. Some of us have already left it. We've already been rescued from our Egypt, and some of us are maybe in the middle of it today. And then there's probably people in here who haven't even gotten to one yet. But look out, it's coming, because <laughs> we live in a fallen world. Um, but we wanted to take a little bit of time in our message today to kind of share our testimony um, when Michael preaches, he shares it, and it's awesome. So we're going to share more today, and you'll get to hear my side of it. <laughs> um, so what's funny is it was three weeks ago that they're like, hey, can y'all preach? And we're like, um, actually, it was two weeks because they're like, hey, in two weeks, can you preach? And we're like, sure. <laughs> awesome. Got it. And I look yeah. like a deer in the headlights. So one thing is, if it's if it's for God and it can give God glory, I'm always like, yes. Because I know that I need to uh, say no to things because I'm a busy guy and I I say yes to everything. But I always make sure if it can if I can get God the glory from something, it's yes. Because um, I want to be faithful. Um, so what's as soon as they're like, can you preach? I was like. Okay, what do we what do we want to preach on? And then like testimony came up and she was home and I was in service and I'm like, babe. I, I shot her a quick text. I was like, hey, normally I'm texting Amy with funny gifts and stuff uh, that relate to, to service, so I remember. It's like note taking. Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I shot her a quick text and I was like, hey, I think this is what we're supposed to, to uh, preach on testimony and um, like our testimony together, not just ours, um, and she was like, yes, I already have notes for that, and she's like, that's so cool, because I was already, like, looking at this, and it's so cool how God has just worked this through, and um, there was a point in this when we were in bed, and I had this scripture in my head, and I was like, I don't know where it is, and I'm like, but it's there, and I know it needs to be in here, it doesn't really fit as I'm thinking about it but I know it's supposed to be in here. And then she's like, well, what is it? And I was like, well, I just want to find it. And she's like, well, what is it? And so I told her, and then she's like, oh, yeah. And then she, like, Googles it. I Googled it, and I couldn't find it. And then she just like, oh, it's this one, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool. So I looked it up, and then I'm reading it, and I was like, yeah, 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 this is it, this is it. And then uh, she's talking about some notes that she had, and then I go up because I want to get context, and I go up, and and I start reading, and then as soon as I'm reading it, it's like she's reading her notes, exactly what I'm reading, the prior scripture. 
And I'm like, what, what, hold on, baby, look at this. I go up, and I'm like, I read it, and she's like, yeah, that's what I just had in my notes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, God, it's so cool. It's like 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and I'm texting Greg. I'm like, are y'all up? Because I just want to tell someone how cool God is. That happens more often than it right? should. And then, and then he texts me at like 6 in the morning. He's like, I am now. And I'm like, it's too late. Whatever. Okay, back on track. She was like, all right, now, Michael, there's these things that you can't do. And, like, derailing, like, don't. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. I have to. That's who I am. I'm a freight train loaded for wherever God's taking me. Um, so what? <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, can you see me? <laughs> Testimony. All right. What Egypt looked for me was addiction depression, and a whole bunch of stuff. And that's one reason I like to be so joyful. Because living a life of depression, um, we're going to go more into the depression part later. Um, we're going to go more on the addiction right now. But I just, I won't, I'll talk about that later. So addiction. Since I was 12, I was addicted to pornography. Most of y'all know that. Some of y'all don't. And it was bad. Like I would stay up all night after coming home from school and not get any sleep and then go to school the next day because of the addiction that was taken over my life. And what was funny, it's not funny, um, but when I was single, it was like, whatever, it's, you know, all my friends are doing it, which is never a good reason to do anything unless it's like reading your Bible all your friends reading your Bible, you should keep those friends close, okay? Youth, youth. So, I would get into a relationship, and it wouldn't attack me. I had to have no problem abstaining from it for the two months, whatever, my relationship lasted. And it was weird that as soon as me and Jordan got together, and that we got married that it was still attacking me full force. Even though in meaningless relationships, it had no effect on me. I had no problem putting it aside and focusing. But the enemy knows that when you're in something good, that God has a plan for your life to prosper, that the enemy is going to come in and just be like, there you go. And that's what the enemy did. It was like, you know that porn addiction that you've been on that you've had no problem getting rid of when you're in a relationship with meaningless whatever? This relationship is going to go somewhere. I'm going to do everything in my power to stop it. And that's what the enemy did. And then uh, it was the, the day I got baptized, which we're doing the baptism. It's so important. We spent many years of our marriage in our Egypt. But as soon as I got baptized, it was a 180. It was the songs that we sang today were so good for our message. It's got so cool yeah. that I got baptized. And it was, I'm going to stand against that. I may fail a couple times because I'm human. I stumble. But my end goal 
is to be righteous, is to put this under the blood. And the enemy's going to attack you with it because he knows. He's like, this gets him to stumble. This gets him to fall. I'm just going to keep throwing it at him because I know it's something that's going to work on him. But we need to make that 180, and it's a fight every single day that I'm going to stand, that I'm not going to be addicted to this. So. And that baptism day looked a lot different for me than so it did for him. She, I'm, I'm going to talk about that. So I come to church. And he says I talk too much. So I know. So I was, I was on the leadership, or uh, the worship team, and I was drumming and still living in the sin. And, like, we're battling at home. And it's, like, bad. Um, and she was staying home to pack her bags to leave. She was ready to be done with me. And I'm sitting over there in those seats. And um, I think it was Sarah that was the first one I, I talked to. Um, but I just That's I was my mom. bawling. It was a baptism day, and I didn't sign up for it, but I knew it was for me. And I'm just bawling over there, and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, Jordan's going to leave me. And <laughs> um, I was like, Jordan's going to leave me. And they had no idea because we didn't tell anybody other than uh, pastors and some, uh, some friends and uh, counselors that we went to. But we didn't tell any family because we didn't want them to, like, hate me because I'm doing this to her. And I was like, I, I need to get baptized because I'm done with it. And I need to put this under the blood and make a public covenant that this is who I am now, not that guy. And we couldn't get a hold of her. So I'm at home. Okay. I took, well, we came to church that morning, and then I left with Seamus. He was little. And we got some McDonald's, and we're eating chicken nuggets in the living room. And I'm like, I got $300. How far can I get? I'm laughing, but it was terrible. Um, and apparently I had like a bajillion missed calls, but Pastor Starling called me. And I was like, <sighs> Do you ever get a call from somebody and you're like, Ugh. so I answered it and <laughs> answer your calls from Starling. <laughs> and she was like, your husband's about to get baptized. Are you coming? And I was like, mm. and it was like this internal, it was like, heck no, I'm done. I'm gone. And then there was that little tiny side, you know, the Holy Spirit that was like, if you get past this, do you really want to miss this moment? And I was like, no. <laughs> so we got in the car. We went to church. He got baptized. Ugly cry for, like, hours. Lots of hugs. If he told the whole church our business. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's okay because that's what church is for, right? Yeah. Sin and darkness coming to light and the body of Christ surrounding people. That, if he hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have moved on. Real quick, addiction to pornography and anything. The problem with it is it wants you to keep you isolated. It wants you to not tell anybody. It's like, this is my own sin. Nobody's going through it. And that was the hardest thing for me was getting it out there. I'm like, I was addicted to pornography. And you know what? I'm free from it, and you can be too. Yeah. 
but if I don't say it, nobody hears it. There's people, I've talked to guys and girls that have struggled with it, and we're like, thank you. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be talking. If it wasn't for you saying it and getting it out in the open, I wouldn't be talking to you about it trying to get help. And it is the lie of the enemy that nobody else is going through it. But that day, you know, afterwards, and, you know, our baptism in the summer is also the church picnic. So there's, like, food. People are having fun. It's, like, the worst day of my life, but it's okay. (laughs) And so many sweet people were coming up to me and hugging me. And, like, I didn't know, and we're here for you. And then some people were like, aren't you so proud of Michael? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you hear what he said, what he did? I'm not proud. (laughs) I'm angry. And so for me, it looked, you know, he was like on top of the world after that because God freed him. But I was sitting over here isolated in anger over what had been done. And, you know, it it causes all kinds of things. Sin comes with, you know, it's like a, a really big gift package with lots of things that you don't want. Like insecurity, anger, confusion, loneliness, low self esteem. You know, all that really ugly stuff. But most of all, it was unforgiveness. And unforgiveness was, I wrote here and I was like, I'm so clever. It was the largest territory in my Egypt. Mm. Yeah. But mm. it was. And, you know, the, the struggle that we went through caused all of those feelings and emotions. But the unforgiveness bore a new and deeper life to all of those things in me. Every day, over and over and over again. And so when Michael walked out of his Egypt, I was still back there. And um, even, because we went to counseling for like forever. <laughs> Thank goodness. If you for need a good counselor, Phil, over on Pearl <laughs> Counseling is great. It's true. He was amazing. We love him. Um, I kept wanting him to call him Dr. Phil. But he's not a doctor, but he's still awesome. <laughs> yeah. But, like, we'd sit in counseling every week, and Michael would be owning up to all of his mistakes and apologizing. It's like a dream, right? Every wife wants that. But I was so angry. It was like, I don't care what you say. I don't care how many times you apologize. I'm still hurt. Everybody else is moving on. Everybody else is happy, praising the Lord. But why am I still hurt? And I struggled for a long time with, like, where was God during that? Why didn't he protect me? And I don't have an answer for that. (laughs) Except for, you know, the enemy targets godly marriages. And we fell victim to that. And a lot of couples do. But really what made the difference was we decided together, even though he was probably dealing with shame and I was dealing with unforgiveness, we decided we're going to have to stick with God through this or we're not going to make it. And once you make that decision to forgive, which is not easy. I read so many books. Like, I didn't really like to read, but I've read a lot of books in the last, like, five years. But I read books. We went to counseling. I talked to other people who went through similar things. Pastors. I remember the first time we went to pastors when this started, like, in the beginning of our our marriage. Michael's, like, confessing. And Pastor Sharon looks at me, and she goes, where are you on forgiveness? 
It's like, it is not in sight. <laughs> not in sight. <laughs> but it's so important. Um, hold on, I lost myself in my notes. But it's a choice every day. And it's kind of a painful choice to just be like, I'm going to forgive this per- person that practically ruined my life. I mean, you didn't. But we feel that way when people wrong us, right? And that's hard to just be like, I'm going to put all my feelings aside and forgive them. It's really hard. And that's something that I had to do every single day, a lot of times, multiple times a day. And once you do it again and again and again, it becomes a lifestyle. It's not really like, oh, I'm feeling like I'm going to forgive that person. Mm -hmm. Because you will never feel that way. It's not a feeling. It's a way of life. And when you walk in unforgiveness and all those other things that come in that really ugly gift package get smaller and smaller and smaller. And Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And some Egypts are out of your control. Like, I feel like I didn't have a lot of control in that season of life. Because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen and the enemy tries to strike you where it hurts the most. And he will use people to hurt you. But other Egypts like we talked about in the beginning with the Israelites, are self-inflicted. So even outside of our literal Egypt, like Michael had changed, he was growing, renewed his life to Christ, he was freed, but then I created Egypt all over again in my unforgiveness. And we would have never made it as a couple if I hadn't stepped over into forgiveness because that was my promised land. And it would have been easy for me to go, you know what? I changed. You're not forgiving me. I made that step, and I'm working towards it, but you're not, so I'm out. And I could have done that. But the thing that kept us together was God. And, and there's this, this problem with society that they set their goals to marriage, jobs, just worldly things and then they achieve it and then they're baffled at why they're not happy with it why they're not they're not content with what goals they had set with what they strived for they fought for they got it and they're like this sucks and that's why we we instill it so much into our youth that when you want to get in a relationship, be whole. And that's not just for the youth. That's for for young adults. And and if you're not in a marriage right now, fix yourself first. Because two broken people don't make a whole one. Exactly. Because we came together broken, and it took a whole lot of God to get us to not to, to get us to be in a God marriage, God-focused marriage, because she put her, her needs and her dependence in me, and I cannot. I didn't know if you knew this, but he's not God. I'm not. <laughs> I cannot fulfill her every need. I cannot yeah. be that the, the thing that fills the void in her life. Yeah. That's God. And, and she can't fill the void in my life. That's God. And so people that are getting into relationships and it's like, oh, he's not a Christian, but I love him because he's handsome because he looks like Ryan Gosling or whatever. 
or Timothy Charlemagne or whatever his name is. <laughs> they used to like, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> or he's got some dripping swag. They hate that. Uh. If he don't, if he's not dripping in the blood of Christ, Amen. there ain't no swag on him or her. So the first thing that you should do, and I love our examples, uh, Aaron and Marissa. She was like, the first text I send to the dude is, do you love God? Sorry. Are you okay with this ending in marriage? Because, it's, because if it's not, if that's not your goal, I'm out. I want nothing else to talk to you about. We need to have that. That is so good. Don't mess around. <laughs> Because right. I messed around and it almost ended our marriage. Because of what I did before we got into our marriage. It's so important. And, and you need to make Jesus the center, not your spouse, not your kids. Yeah. And, you know, you can be a Christian, be saved, born again, mm-hmm. and living in Egypt. I went, I went to church. I was playing drums on the worship team. And taking part in, in the youth and, and all that. But I still wasn't on fire for God. We still didn't make Jesus center. So you just need to Jesus at the center. Yeah. Because do you want to live your life just saved? Like, I'm going to make it into heaven. I'm good. But That's there's, I know, if there's something keeping you in place, like you're stagnant, you're not growing, you're not imparting into people's lives, you're just... Don't, don't say that. That's mine. Okay. <laughs> you're saved, but you're only like ankle deep in the water. But God wants you to come out to the deep, and you're like, I'm good because I want to deal with all of this. Yeah, I'll put my big toe in the, the pool of Christ, but uh, um, I'm going to have the rest of me uh, party hardy and living for me. You know, treat yourself. Now, I got this, and it was so good. Stop barely surviving on grace and thrive in his promises. That's why I was like, don't say that. That's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Stop barely surviving on grace and thrive in his promises. Write that down. If you don't write anything else down today, which some of y'all won't, write that down. Get your phones out, kids. (laughs) I know you got them. But how often do we settle for Egypt? We have lines. Okay? And she started saying, I'm green. She started saying my green line. Sorry. And that was in there. I'm like, don't say that. That's mine. But how often do we settle for Egypt and act like we're okay with missing out on all the promises of God? Like, sure, we might cherry pick a few. Like, oh, yeah, I want that one. But I, I wanna, want the bunny verses. But I want to stay over here and deal with this secret sin, so I'm going to let that promise go. Don't do that. And it sounds ridiculous. Like, oh, I'd never do that. Yeah, you will. Because we all do it. It's mm-hmm. called being human. So... Um, the Israelites were pros at this, obviously. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years instead of getting their act together and trusting God. And they're like, hey, Aaron, 
Let's make an idol because Moses has been gone for a while. So Don't let's do that. do that. Don't do that. Okay, so we're actually, we are going to read some scriptures. I know it yes, doesn't look that way. we do have scripture. <laughs> Inspiration Bible Church. Um, so my first Bible. one is Exodus 14, 10 through 12. As Pharaoh approached, the, Israel, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Really? <laughs> what have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? What? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They had no faith. So this is like, they just left Egypt. And they're like, you ever watch Prince of Egypt? The animated one? Love that movie. And they're all like singing and dancing because they're like, woo, we're done, we're free, we're out. And they're marching. And they get to the water. And the Egyptians are behind them. And they're like, let us go back so we don't die. No, thank you. Getting out of Egypt, why they want to go back? They were slaves. They were beaten. They were starved. They were nobody. And here they are. They ate onion. <laughs> Matt won't eat onion. There's one thing I learned about him. That's it. <laughs> but That's all they ate. Like onion and like dirt. Ew. Or something. Don't Dirty take, onions. Don't take that to the bank. They didn't wipe it <laughs> off, so they ate it. And garlic. Oh, yum. Like, like, how do you have married time with that? Anyways. <laughs> Here they are, walking their freedom out. They've been rescued, and they want to go back. Why? Because their journey to the promised land was inconvenient for them. They were inconvenienced. They were scared, so they were like, let's go back to Egypt over here, because it was comfortable. Our shacks are over there. We know what time of day our meal's coming. They were beaten, but it was more convenient than journeying to the promised land. We knew how to get to our house from our job. It wasn't new. It was familiar. And I want to tell you all about familiar and convenient and comfortable. Um, when I was 16, I tried to kill myself because I suffered from depression and just terrible, terrible depression. I uh, suffered from insomnia because I couldn't sleep because of the depression. And... Um, I was thinking about it today. I thank God that my stepmom was such a godly woman and that she was a prayer warrior. Because if she wasn't, I probably would have succeeded. And even after the attempt on my life, I still lived in that depression because it was comfortable. I would turn on my music that felt me. That, that understood my feelings, that dark music. And that's why, I, again, I say so important to the kids. It's so important what you listen to, what you put into you. 
because it's it's not what goes in that defiles you at what comes out of you. But what you're putting in feeds that spirit on the inside of you. And it's so important to be vigilant. And there's movies that we're like, we don't want to watch that because it doesn't sit right with our spirit. And and I go back to music that I listen used to listen to, and I'm like, yeah, that was that was a jam, man. That was a bop. That's what the kids say, right? No. I'm like, yeah, I love it. And then I turn it on, and I'm like, this is trash. This makes me feel terrible. Like, I'm listening to it, and I'm like, the beat is hitting so good. And, like, I got the subs going, and I'm like, this, I'm, uh, I'm not comfortable. I'm, I'm, it's not good. So I'm like, turn it off before that song even ends. And it's comfortable to woe is me. Give me attention. There is serious depression. And there are serious times when you need to just sit and talk to someone that's dealing with some stuff. Because depression is real and it kills so many people. Too many people. So don't just write off depression as attention-seeking. But it is comfortable. And I liked it. I was like, I'm edgy. And people just don't understand my pain. But it's real. That's a real thing. Like, youth of today. Not our youth, because they're rock stars. But youth of today, they wear that as a badge of honor. I struggle with anxiety. I have depression. I see my therapist. Therapy's good. I'm not knocking that. But it's not a badge of honor. It's bondage. I had the black hair and, like, over my eye. And I had... I had I didn't know him the then. snake bites and the the earrings and I was so oh we only got ten minutes okay we always go over in youth so we're doing our best <laughs> um, we're gonna continue on this is mine. yeah it's right here what? do you want you it? got it yeah. okay so this is the one right yeah yeah Exodus fourteen thirteen through sixteen Moses answered the people do not be afraid stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Tell the Israelites to move on. We're confusing be still with don't move. Stay where you are. But that's not what it means. Be still isn't don't move. Camp out in your depression, your sickness, your addiction, your whatever stuff you're going through. In Hebrew, the word is chadash. I'm not a Hebrew guy. But it says to bear silently. 
So he's saying, why are you not moving? Why are you still there? Move on. And not only move on, use the tools that I already gave you. Your hand. Your voice. Your staff that I already gave you. Your Bible. Use that. Bear silently. Don't complain. And move on. Press on towards the finish line. But they didn't do that. They didn't, I mean, they literally moved on. They crossed the Red Sea. Um, but they didn't mentally move on. They were stuck in whining and complaining and the inconvenience. And this is not what I wanted. This is not the life that I had planned. This is not what God promised me. They didn't trust him. They didn't look to him. They didn't let him do what he needed to do. How many times are you hoping and believing for something? And it's taken too long, so you Take it in your own hands. I'm so guilty of that. Like, I could tell you so many testimonies of when Michael's like, Jordan, stop. <laughs> Let God do it. It's like, okay. And then he does. They, they got their miracle. We're all like, I want a miracle. They got their miracle, and they're still like suffering in their bondage in their Egypt when God just killed all the things behind them. But they kept looking back. They Stupid kept holding Israelites. on to what Egypt had for them, which was garbage. Yeah. But they wouldn't let it go. Onions. So they didn't make it to the promised land. Joshua Milk and Caleb honey. did. Onions. In the next generation behind them, there were people who were faithful, who trusted God, and they got to go. But those schmucks that left Egypt, they let it go. So there is a, a second part to this message that nicely ties into this. Um, what do you do after you leave Egypt? You tell people about it. Um, Revelation 12, 11 says, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and that they did not love their lives to the death. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Your test it's been so not beaten because it's so good, but like we're like testimony. I'm supposed to do testimony. And then like every single time since there's been mention of testimony because it's so important. Mm -hmm. Because Satan will try to talk you out of your testimony. He will rationalize in your mind, make it seem unimpressive, but there's nothing natural about your testimony. It is 100% supernatural, mm -hmm. and you need to give God the glory for it. It has power. Mm -hmm. It has power. Because of my testimony, people are free from pornography. Mm -hmm. And that, that's not glory to me. That's glory to God. Because God gave me this testimony to give to others so that they could be free. And Satan will also try to shame you when it comes to sharing your testimony. Why are you telling people about that? You're still a mess. What are people going to think of you when you tell that? What are people going to think of me when they know that I was addicted to pornography? Or I has depression, tried to kill myself. That isn't even good enough to share with anyone. It's a joke. That's the biggest one. That they're like, it's not. 
it's not good enough. Your testimony will always be good enough. Um, and whether your testimony is like mine, um, going one way and then er, turning the other way, or more like Jordan's, um, getting saved at a young age and growing up in church and um, being kept from things that could have hurt her, um, both are equally amazing. Yeah. Because that's a testament of what God did in their life. God is a protector, and he's also a redeemer. And he'll also try to shame you for even, for even calling what you've gone through a testimony. Because mm. sin is so normalized in society today yeah. that sometimes you even feel weird calling your sin a sin. Because it's so normalized. Mm. And I've experienced that. And that's definitely a huge thing, too, with the topic of pornography. I remember when we were walking through that season, I had joined, somebody invited me to join, like, this Facebook women's group. And it was supposed to be, you know, Christian women uplifting and supporting each other, praying for each other. And um, it was not. <laughs> make, make sure you, like, what is it, the word vet? You vet things that you join online. Um, Have a discerning heart. Yeah. But one day, this woman, young woman, posted, and she was asking for prayer and support, and she shared that her and her husband were going through a hard time, and pornography was involved. And you would not believe how many other women, wives, were like, you need to calm down. I feel bad for your husband, because that's normal. You know, women can do it too. It's not a big deal. That's totally normal. You shouldn't be treating him that way for that. And I was like... What? Are they kidding? Because I've walked through that. And it sucks. Like, a lot. And I couldn't even believe what my eyes were reading. I was like, unfollow. <laughs> it's sin is sin. No matter how society views it. Even yeah. how other Christians view it. If it's in the Bible... The Bible is clear. Sin is sin. And don't let Satan fool you because once he's fooled you, then you become a stumbling block to somebody else. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that other woman felt like after reading all those comments and how it affected her marriage after that. Because what if she believed yeah. them? And then that, that addiction and stuff just tore that family apart. And then she's wondering why because this is so normal. It's not normal. No. And that's one thing I love about this church. If this is your first time here, second time here, third, this church is about the Bible and what the Bible says. And it's not what their interpretation of the Bible is. It's what the Bible says. And that's the reason we've been here for 10 years. Because there's churches out there that are like, well, you know, love is love no matter what. Love is Jesus. Whatever you put into that equation um. But we'll, we'll close with this because <laughs> it's time. Uh, yeah. If you all want to stand. Yes. Um, God wants to set some people free today from an Egypt that's been keeping you captive. Yes. Um, whether it's behind you or 
right in front of you. And also if it's self-imposed. Like, we're not perfect. A lot of times the sin that we get ensnared with is our own fault. Mm-hmm. Like, unforgiveness. So we just want to give you guys an opportunity today. Um, I have this scripture. It's Galatians 5, 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Um, But first things first, you can't be set free until you fully surrender to him. You have to make him Lord of your life in every area, even those areas that you're comfortable in, but you know it's wrong. Or you know that God has better for you. Maybe not even wrong, just God has better, so leave it behind. God's not going to try to make you perfect today. He just wants you to make him Lord of your life. And then he's going to start molding and shaping you to be perfect in his image. And so don't worry about, oh, I did this this morning, so I can't do that. You can. Starts right now. Take hold of that, and then God's going to start slowly molding you. Uh, So with every head bowed and eyes closed, um, if you're here this morning and you haven't fully surrendered to God, but you want to because you want to walk out of Egypt and into your promised land because that's where he wants to lead you. So if you want to make that commitment today to say, Lord, take my heart, use me, and bring me into the promised land. I want you to raise your hand. It's the best decision you will ever make. You can all repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are the Son of God. You died on a cross. You died on a cross. And you rose again so that I can be free. And you rose again so that I can be set free. So right now. So right now. I'm giving you my whole life. I'm giving you my whole life. I'm withholding nothing. I'm withholding nothing. I repent of all my sins. I repent of all my sins. I'm ready to flee Egypt. I'm ready to flee Egypt. And I'm asking you. I'm asking you. In this moment. In this moment. To be the Lord of my life. To be the Lord of my life. And change me from the inside out. And change me from the inside out. I give it all to you. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. So one thing about the Egypt is you have to get out of it. And we want to take this opportunity that anybody that's going through an Egypt right now, self-inflicted or not, I want you to make a physical symbol that you are walking out of that Egypt. And I want you to come down because it's, just stand right here and make that choice that you're leaving your Egypt behind and that you're going to live in the promises of God that are yes and amen. And he will bless you. But don't just sit where you are and say, you know what, maybe tomorrow I'll get out of my Egypt. Maybe next week. 
because tomorrow never comes. And yesterday was a fleeting moment. So today, make the choice to get out of your Egypt. Because if you don't, it will kill you. Like the Israelites. They never saw their promised land because they were stuck in their Egypt. It took a whole new generation to get out of their Egypt, to get out of the wilderness, to get into the promised land. It took two people, started with two people, Joshua and Caleb, to say, it's out of sight, but I'm going for it because it is promised to me and my people. It is promised to you and your people, your family. Heck, you can intercede for someone. If you know someone that's going through in Egypt, come up right now and intercede for them. Your family, they're going to get out of their Egypt, and I know it. Get angry at the enemy. Get angry at their Egypt. And also, maybe you're thinking, oh, I've, I've left my Egypt. I'm good. But do you keep looking back? Are you looking at it in your rearview mirror? Or are you turning around and you keep going back to it? You can't let it go. Maybe God's brought you out of it, but there's a part of you that keeps looking back. There is nothing there for you. Mm. Look forward. So if you want help letting it go, then come up as well. And we're not going to like lay hands on you or anything because this is between you and God. You yeah. have to let it go. We can't let it go for you. Exactly. So we just want to make sure everybody has an opportunity to let it go. Give it to the Father. You're going to be like Lot's wife and look back and done. But keep pressing forward. We're on a mission. Soul saved. Get to Jesus.